Welcome to the Nonprofit Exchange Podcast. Stories by leaders for leaders to help you raise the bar on your own excellence to release the potential inside of you. Now, here's today's podcast. Hey, friends, this is the Nonprofit Exchange, and this is an episode that Russell and I uh, were co hosts for the Nonprofit Exchange. Russell and I uh, look backwards and lift up the highlights of previous episodes. And in case you missed some of them, we're going to lift up the reasons why you ought to go back and check them out. And you can find them at thenonprofitexchange.org, T-H-E, nonprofitexchange.org. It will take you right to the landing page, and you can click on the link that says previous episodes, and they're all there. You can uh, look at them online, or you can go to Stitcher or iTunes and download them on whatever device you have. So it's a great day in Virginia, Russell. What's it like there in Aurora, Colorado? Well, it's a little cloudy and overcast. We had some thunderstorms yesterday, and it looks like we may be in for some more rain today. However, the weather, the temperature is great, and I uh, just came back from a mastermind and uh, met some of my people there. So it's a great day here, for sure. Let's talk a little bit about masterminds. What do you get out of a mastermind group, and why should people have one? Well, masterminds are a great opportunity to leverage genius uh, of other people who are in your group. Not only that, you uncover your own genius when people ask you questions. You can find yourself going through the same challenges, and it becomes clearer when somebody else explains something similar. Uh, The other thing is you find people who've worked through those and have found new ways to to get through them. So the the beauty of a mastermind is that you get together with like-minded people and the best masterminds have uh, people who may be a little bit ahead of where you are in certain areas. And so I love being able to leverage group knowledge. You know, um, we have a saying in the South that none of us is as smart as all of us. And, um, I kind of like that. There's, there's great strengths and numbers. So, Russell, um, it's always fun to go back and look. And we've had um, quite a string of really good guests. So we uh, haven't had a chance to do this in our normal frequency. So we're, we, we may or may not catch up with where we left off last time. But I suggested that we start with the current ones that go backwards. What do you think? I think that's a great idea for people who have not tuned in before, may not have tuned in recently. Uh, We've had an amazing slate of uh, business leaders and nonprofit leaders come in to talk to us about quite a few different things. And starting uh, back with last week, we had a young man by the name of Jeb Banner who created an organization called Boardable. And he had tips on becoming an exceptional board member and on uh, running an exceptional board. So he's talking about having tools, not just the tools, but using them effectively and communicating with one another. Well, he highlighted all those reasons that a board is important. And, you know, many times... people sit on a board of directors and don't really know what they're supposed to do. And they're not really sure the level of responsibility 
that's been entrusted to them. And so exceptional board member, I was looking at our stats on the podcast and just about every week people are downloading them uh, from the podcast supply system. We're on uh, Libsyn and it keeps tracking on who downloads them and listens to them. Um, we also have them on, on each page. There's a video replay and an audio replay of these. I, um, <clears throat> I didn't know what to expect with Jeff Banner, but this Boardable is a container where it keeps track of your minutes. It keeps track of what the essential things you have to report are. So <clears throat> I would say that that is an essential um, process whether you use Boardable or not, it's essential that board members understand their role and responsibility. And I've found in my 32 years of doing this, I've found very, very few people. And so let's go back a week before the 45 minute breakthrough to create more income. Now, what stood out with for you on that? Well, uh, John Gaddis here in, in Colorado, uh, really talked about how we can overcomplicate a lot of things and don't have uh, the best systems in place to actually get things done. And creating more income is something that uh, we have to set by intention. And it can be done uh, without overcomplicating uh, things in your organization. And so really when it comes to revenue and organization, one of the things he emphasized with nonprofits is to think of revenue uh, or to think of revenue as something as, as neutral. Uh, your tax status or the type of organization really doesn't matter. What's important is doing things the right way to bring in revenue and to track it and to maintain it and to have a focus on generating uh, revenue as part of what you're doing. So it's not all about money, but it's one of those things that we measure here. You know, it is, it is so true. And um, uh, 40, 45 minute breakthrough, you know, if you listen to this, it's, it's a little over 45 minutes, but it gives you a, a real good idea of what we're doing wrong and how do we think about the value that we give people? What is the value and how do we stay in touch with people? Then Michelle Fisher was the week before that. That was somebody, you know, from, from Colorado, but it was um, the Healing Hoof Foundation. And she thinks as, of horses as a co-therapist, which is fascinating to me. Well, yes, I just spoke with her this morning. Uh, <laughs> and uh, we're working on an event called Face to Face. And... Uh, it's bringing people together. It's bringing people together with horses, therapy horses, uh, and coming outside the box with new therapy. She works with veterans. She works with children. And eliminating trauma is something that's pretty important. She's been doing equine therapy for a long time. She's a court-appointed special advocate uh, uh, for children here in Colorado. And so with, with post-traumatic stress, uh, those are the audiences that she works with. And uh, in bringing organizations together, there are a lot of mental health organizations out there. And her goal is really to bring them all together and bring them to the table because her experience is that more effective as a group. And so 
Uh, I love what she's doing. She's about collaboration, sequencing and scaling and doing things in, in the proper order. And I love that about her and doing outreach in the community and uh, looking for synergies. And so that's the, the lay of the land for nonprofits now. We're gonna be effective at, at handling some of the big problems we've got in the community. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> I think it's time to point out that um, sometimes we have people who are subject matter experts that are teaching us something like the boardable or the 45 minute breakthrough. But often we have stories of people who are uh, in, the, in the trenches doing important things and it's their story of how they approach running uh, a, a nonprofit around to implement the vision that we have. And Russell, I know there's uh, there's probably a hundred people that have a vision and three of them actually do something about it. And then there's only a small percentage of those that remain successful, that actually reach, reach success. Well, yeah, it's an all hands on deck type of proposition and you have to learn by doing. Uh, and so many people get out and try to do those things. Some are more successful than others. But what I love is the, is the collaborative uh, effort that a lot of people make and they get back up and they keep trying. And uh, Michelle Fisher's really a great example of going out there and, and collaborating and doing that. One of the other things about her is that not only does she provide that therapy, she uh, has a small foundation. So she funds other organizations that do that work. And before that, we had John Sebesta, and the title of that was Sustainability. Um, will the pets you are on lead you where you want to go is basically what his message was. And it's being good stewards of resources entrusted to us. And, and running a nonprofit, we need to understand stewardship because we're stewarding other people's resources. Those are not really our resources. And your previous work with IRS, I guess you find that people that don't understand that, they think it's their money, it's their resources. So being good stewards, that was a, to me, that was a profitable lesson to learn about the, 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 the duty and the light we've been given. What, what's your remembrance of that? Well, uh, the, the importance of taking care of the things that you're given uh, that are entrusted to you is that you're creating value and you're doing that in partnership with people. It's really looking at the, the whole approach as working together, uh, not looking for a handout to get something done. And sustainability is about keeping the doors open. It's about keeping the resources in place to actually get your mission done. And that's a lot of what John touched upon uh, with collaboration, with having different types of entities in the community come together to get it done and uh, just managing, it's the management of all of these resources. Uh, is, that's important as well. So uh, this is a very good podcast to watch because we, we talk about all sorts of things here. Keeping the lights on is just as important as, uh, as delivering the service. You know, no structure, no program. So I would go back and listen to this one. This is a very good one. 
Yeah, and you said watch and said listen in that narrative. We have both for people. If you go to the nonprofit, that's T-H-E, nonprofitexchange.org, then you can you can do both. You can listen to audio, you can watch the video interview, or you can download it on your, your smartphone. Um, Seth Godin said they're not really smart, they're fast. Whatever phone <laughs> uh, you can download it and listen to it while you're driving, uh, if you have a long commute. It's a good way to <clears throat> help keep that learning curve out in front of you. We, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yes, sir. Yeah, and you know, just to make sure that you don't miss a beat, there are a couple of other things you can do. You can go to, to YouTube and subscribe to our YouTube channel. You can also find the Nonprofit Exchange on iTunes and Stitcher. So there are a lot of places to get it. But when you subscribe to those two places, you got the option to watch, the option to listen, and you never miss an episode. And um, I, I will say that uh, that um, Russell and Hugh are pretty good interviewers. So people always thank us, and we always um, allow them to share some really good secrets. Because um, like Vaughn Williams said about music, he's the composer, conductor from Great Britain. He said, music did not reveal all of its secrets to just one person. So we could say that about leadership. We could say about nonprofit. We could say that about most of the topics we deal with. Um, so marketing partners. This is um, this is uh, our friend David Dunworth, who's been working on some really great stuff. And where Cinevision is about to launch a very robust marketing program that he's got. It's like nothing I've ever seen. But he talks about our marketing focus. And, you know, people that we're talking to certainly get messages from every other nonprofit in town and maybe some others. So there's a lot of requests for their money. So we were focusing on our message and some system that cuts through the clutter. Uh, Russell, do you have clutter in your inbox? Uh, yes, I, I have too many inboxes. That's part of the problem. But there's clutter there. And so what, what David is talking about is attraction marketing. Because we, we don't want to become part of the noise that's out there. We want to be clear and on message. And that means that we need to get clear about who we serve and what it is that we're trying to convey. What exactly is our message? And once we discover what our message is, what's the best channel to deliver it through? And I think David is on to something with his new system here. Absolutely, absolutely. And speaking of messaging, <clears throat> the week before was Ross Halleck. Now, Ross is a talented guy. He owns a winery called Halleck Vineyards. And um, he's got a Pinot Noir that won, I think, the San Francisco Chronicle has a wine contest every year, and there's this last year there were 8,600 wines in it. And his wine, Pinot Noir, won the best Pinot Noir in North America. So not only does he know how to make wine, he knows how to build a brand around his wine and his winery, but he also gives back to communities by doing these Vintner dinners. It's kind of like a wine wine tasting. And I think he told me in the last few couple of years, he's raised $750,000 for various charities through these wine tasting events. Have you ever participated in something like that, Russ? 
Well, I've, I've seen some, but I haven't seen anything that's worked quite on the scale. And uh, he's very modest about the work he does. He's out in the Bay Area. He got himself connected with a young musician by the name of Joss Groban, who I'm sure a lot of our uh, listeners have heard of. And through these events, he actually got into a conversation. Uh, and there are a lot of conversations that take place around why. They actually uh, connected and began to talk, and he's been connected with uh, a few other foundations, and the work that they're doing is tremendous. But a lot of it is around community and building those relationships, and he's managed to do that with why. So it's phenomenal, the work that he's done. Uh, and the thing I like about his work is that he is willing to talk to people and he's done this in, in other parts of the country, even though it's wineries in the Bay Area. He's open to having discussions about these type of events in other places and is looking to grow that operation. And another friend of ours, Dana Olivo, has uh, Marketatomy. And um, her, her session um, was the set seven steps to building awesome customer and donor relations. You know what, it's a, it's, a, it's a process to acquire new donors and to keep them donating and to grow their donations. So there's three, there's three parts to this. And we forget <clears throat> that we need to tell the story of what we've done with the money they gave us. You know, it's really important in that seven steps actually spell out service and uh it's you know s is for scalable e is for essential r is for relatable v is for valuable i is for involvement c is for credible e is for expected and her overall message to to uh our audience was that the best path to, to acquiring and maintaining your donor base and keeping donors is to create a, an experience for them. They want to have an experience with your organization, and that's why they contribute. I wonder if people want to look at something other than me on the screen or you. Let me, let me share. I'm, I'm <clears throat> if those people are watching uh, on video, we have a page on the, on the nonprofit exchange. You go there and then you click on the archives, previous episodes, and um, you, you have a list here of each one of these. And Russell, we've been doing this for, uh, you haven't, but I've been doing this for five years. Yes, you know, and I made the mistake of showing up a couple, two or three weeks in a row. And, it's just like uh, being at, at my church. You know, you hang around long enough, they find something for you to do. The optimist did that to me too. So everywhere I show up, I get drafted. And it's a labor of love everywhere I show up as well. And you show it. And if you weren't so gifted, they wouldn't ask you. <laughs> so <laughs> must, be, must be the curly hair. It's the curly hair. Developing relationships for winning partnerships. This was uh, Barbara James. Um, speak a little bit about Barbara. She was an interesting guest. Uh, Barbara has worked with both for-profit and non-profit entities, and she is uh, 
Her primary goal is to build collaborations. And she works with government agencies, with nonprofits, with business community to create win-win-win propositions to go out there and make a difference and do things here in the community. She's been very active here uh, in the Boulder area, working with nonprofits of all sizes uh, and networking with business leaders and other folks around. And Positively Funded is her organization that she established to help uh, connect uh, small businesses and nonprofits with the funds and the resources that they need. So she's doing good work here. That's really important. Um, Businesses want to support us. We got to give them a reason. And it's just like our private donors. We need to stay in touch with them. Um, And businesses that are savvy, the triple bottom line businesses that care about the culture and the environment, as well as their profit, want to bring value to their communities where they operate. And they realize that that's really good for business to support local nonprofits. Um, And then AdWords with Hank Robinson. I was just talking to Hank a minute ago. And nonprofits can apply to Google and get a $10,000 grant per month for AdWords directed to your website. You register, it has to come to your website. Um, That's only a part of the story. You can set it up for free, but making it work um, is is the real challenge. And what happens is we want people to do something and we want it to uh, bring us revenue, bring us participants, bring us volunteers. So there's a positive result. Um, We tend to think about how much traffic we talk about hits in the acronym. I learned about hits. It's how idiots track success. We don't really care how many people come to the website. We care how many people do something. They come to our events, they subscribe to our services, they uh, donate money. So it's really about the conversion and that's, that's hard work and most of us don't have a clue. So our friend Hank Robinson from down in St. Pete, Florida, is uh, he works with business owners, but he really has a heart for helping nonprofits. What do you remember out of that session? Well, you know, the, the, the grants are given out of uh, Google's primary revenue source. It's uh, AdWords. And mm-hmm. people want to be found. Uh, Google is the 800-pound gorilla on the block. And people invest a lot of money in, uh, to get to the people that they want to get to, to get to the right people. So this can either turn into a black hole for money or it can be in a very a very effective tool when it's directed the right way. And the only way for this platform to be effective is to manage it well. Because while they'll give you up to $10,000 of AdWords for your nonprofit, uh, that can create a lot of reach. But there are some restrictions around how you use it. So you really need the right expertise in-house. If you don't use that $10,000, they'll actually suspend it till you start generating that traffic again. And uh, it's, it's a, a platform that can really help you. And that's what one of the things that, that uh, Hank does at Sunray Marketing is, is to manage those accounts. So $10,000 worth of Google advertising, if you don't think that's huge, try talking to some of your corporate fans and find out what they're spending for AdWords. 
and you'll quickly see how valuable it is. So getting some resources into having someone manage that, and it does need to be managed, is really important because you want to create that visibility. And like he was talking about this, it's one thing to have a lot of people show up on the site, lots of likes and lots of, uh, you know, that's all well and good. But what do people do after you get them to your site? What is it that you want them to know, feel, and do? Well, you probably want them to write a check or volunteer or come learn more about the organization. And the, the word he had for that was conversions people taking an action that you intend for them to take through your marketing and outreach. So it's all in the conversions, not how many people show up. 5,000 could show up, uh, but if none of them take any action, nothing happens. If you get 50 show up and five or 10 of those 50 do something, then you've got a high conversion rate. And this is the key to getting people to do those things that you want them to do. So we go to um, how fundraising really works, how to secure the best talent. Jason Lewis, he's um, a fundraising professional, right? He is. He's a certified fundraising executive, and he talked a lot about, uh, and the work that he does is actually uh, – um, working with mentoring, uh, coaching, certified fundraising executives and helping them look at uh, ways to be more effective at their craft because this is a fairly new designation in terms of professional uh, licensure, that type of thing. And so raising fundraising is something that everybody has to be better at. And he wrote a book on that. And I need to review his book, but I can find that and give you the name of it uh, here. <laughs> but, that's, that's a hat you used to wear um, in your former career. So you know something about that, but it's, it, you know, you learn it and it changes. So you have to keep up to date with it, don't you? It does, it does change. And there are a number of different uh, uh, revenue streams that a nonprofit can have. My particular wheelhouse was grants, but you, you often find yourself working with donors, mission-based revenue. There's all sorts of plan giving, which is long-term, and that's born out of building uh, relationships. Uh, but this book that, that, uh, that Jason wrote, we'll, we'll be talking about that book and some other books that some of our guests uh, have written, and you'll find those. We're going to get those on our resource list. But it's all about uh, getting you the education and the tools that are going to help you get to where you want to get to. And we have that here. And uh, Center Vision is going to be your one-stop source for all of these materials. Yes, sir. And then um, before that, we had a panel. And the panel were, were people in my former profession, church music. So these were associations, the Association of Lutheran Musicians, the Fellowship of United Methodists in Worship Arts, and the Presbyterian Association of Musicians. So these are the th uh, three of the larger um, musician associations and three of the most active. And two of the three, at least two of the three, maybe all three are having monthly um, workshops or conferences. And of course, this summer, 
they're all very active in regional and national conferences. And um, you might know my wife's coming on as president of the Methodist Association at the, at the, at the recording of this message. She's a month away from taking, uh, taking that, that position. But there's unique challenges for leaders that run associations. And in this day and time, uh, a lot of folks are not joining associations because um, they think they can get everything online. But there's really power in coming together with people like you, people who have common values and principles and common goals and challenges. So um, what do you know about associations? And what do you remember from that? That was a really intense session. It was really good. Well, you know, one of the things that, uh, and I know that there are some church leaders that, that watch here, music is very important to, to the workshop in a lot of places. That, this cuts across denominations. A lot of people, I'll just give you an example. For instance, in my church, uh, and the one that I grew up with as a youngster, uh, almost half of the people that came stayed because they liked the music. And the music really kind of drove them spiritually and touched them in a way that they were able to connect with the rest of the community. Associations are a place where you have a clearinghouse for information for best practices. And what are we doing? What are we going through? What are some of the things uh, that are working for us? And a lot of associations put learning materials together for their members. That's one of the things they do. They help promote their members. They help uh, put together promotional events and educational events. So it's really a place where, and we talked about the importance of the mastermind too. It's really a place where you get like-minded people who are doing the same work to come together and learn from one another and collaborate with one another. And uh, it's a challenge because you're trying to draw members. You know, we have all sorts of nonprofits, but there are quirks that go with the membership organization that are a little bit different than, than others experiencing. And uh, there are a number of different types of, of membership organizations. They don't all fall under the charity designation. Uh, a good example of that would be Rotarians or Optimists, you know. So uh, there's a lot there, and trying to bring all that knowledge and, and wisdom to the table uh, is not easy. But, you know, it, the, the alternative is to go it alone. And uh, I've found that most associations, uh, I haven't come across one that isn't helpful. And there's, a, yes, all of that ditto, ditto. It, it, brings to mind that we have our own association in the Center Vision Leadership Foundation called the Community Online Community for Community Builders. And at our very top level, it's only $47 a month. We have $10 and we have free. At the top level, you have access to all of our archives and, you, and we have a live uh, mastermind every Thursday at three. And so um, it's a chance for people to talk to the founder or president of Center Vision about what's going on, what questions they have, and talk to people around the globe. And we're, we're adding new content available to people every month. And we're just getting ready to add another level of content. So if people go to the nonprofitexchange.org, it takes you to that site. And at the top, there's a button, a blue button that says join today. And uh, if you join today, you get my free program 
for a limited time called the five pillars of success. And you know, we have people that are business leaders as well as nonprofit leaders because business leaders, if you're not, you ought to be serving on a nonprofit board. And there's a lot of specific things to nonprofits um, that are more difficult than business leadership. So that's uh, that's a, an invitation for listeners to come join the community and take advantage of the resources we have. And before that, we're talking about associations. Mark Probst is an intern with the uh, Lynchburg Business Alliance. It was a merger of the Chamber of Commerce and, and uh, something else. They become the Business Alliance. And you know, Russell, uh, a lot of places I've lived, the uh, Chamber of Commerce has just been a place that wanted to get your money and sell you things and you pay to go to events. This Business Alliance really creates a lot of high value for its members, whether they're nonprofits or businesses. And Mark is an intern there. He's a graduate student at the University of Lynchburg and um, an activist in several areas. But he taught us about using interns. And we think we just get an intern in and say, do this. Well, intern can teach us stuff, but we've got to really, they're there to learn as well. And so it's a two-way street. And I don't think many people know how to get value out of an intern. What did you learn from that? Well, you know, for me, I believe that any transaction has to be win-win. Interns are are part of what we would call in kind of pro bono uh, type assistance that you can get. And uh, you can provide valuable experience for an intern to go in and do a project uh, build something that's in line with her or his studies, and they can bring a lot of value. This this young man was very instrumental in bringing the chamber uh, and nonprofits together. And I think more non, uh, chambers of commerce, uh, at least here in the Denver metro area, we're starting to see more charitable activity and more of a meld of businesses and nonprofits working together. We, we've had a, a small Shark Tank type event that one of our uh, chambers here has put on at the Botanic Gardens. And it's been three years of, of a sort of a pitch competition where people get to showcase their nonprofit, they get prize money. And the work, the charitable work that's going on is starting to expand here locally in Denver where nonprofit, oh, where charities are concerned. And so it's really important to have that type of a merger to to, uh, bring businesses and charities together. And interns are an integral part of that. The other thing is having the next generation of nonprofit leaders. Uh, What better way to groom them than to have them come in and have actual living live work experiences and get connected with these things that matter to them than to serve as an intern. And I will say that these younger generations, whether it's millennials or Gen Z, uh, they want to do work that matters. That's one of the things I've discovered. And they want to see real measurable impact. And so I think that their involvement uh, as young professionals and students is really going to get us going a long way. But we need to engage them. They have a lot to teach us. And I'm a fan of the idea of reverse mentoring. Oh, I like that. I like that. So we go to the week before was um, um, 
what was her name? Sh Sh Annette, Dr. Annette. Uh, Annette Stibbleband. Yeah. It's tough to pronounce. Annette is a data scientist, which is amazing to me. I just, I look at her, I mean, you look at her picture, she looks like she's 12, but she's absolutely brilliant and has been very successful in helping nonprofits of all sizes here in the Denver metro area uh, create the type of uh, measurements for impact that matters on both the quantitative and qualitative uh, level and making sure that you keep track of everything you do and, and do it successfully. And she helps, she helps nonprofits do that. She's very understated. She's very quiet, but when she starts to talk, you listen because she really knows her stuff. And then also knowing her stuff, um, Julie Cotino, she worked with uh, Richard Branson in, as a branding expert. And um, I had her on my business podcast as a guest and I invited her to come back a couple years later. And she talked to this podcast because um, I bet you most nonprofits haven't even thought about their brand, but she highlighted the top three branding mistakes your nonprofit, it's supposed to say nonprofit, it's got the wrong title there, um, needs to stop making now. Um, so her whole methodology is about a twist. It's called Brand Twist. And she has a book out called Twist, which is quite remarkable. And I think she sent me a copy of the book, Russell. I think the word twist is on every single page of that book. And, and the way she found me, she said she found me, the conductor teaches leadership because of my brand. And she thought it stood out and wanted to have a chat with me. So it's about putting a twist to your brand. Now, I think people need to listen to that to find out what about what those three branding mistakes are. But that was a really, uh, really powerful session. We've had a number of branding people, but I go back to my quote, you don't learn everything from just one person. What do you remember with this really good podcast? Well, you know, she hit on a lot of important uh, subjects, but, you know, a part of the problem that a lot of organizations have is that they don't distinguish themselves. They have this sort of a me too uh, type of message. And so what happens is you get lost in the noise. And she wants uh, to help uh, organizations, whether they're nonprofit or for-profit, break away from that, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, you have to take every opportunity to, to put your brand out there. Some organizations don't do enough and your brand is really just what's, what's the promise? What's the promise that, that comes from working with your nonprofit? What is that ultimate impact that people get? Uh, if, if you're not clear on that or who gets that, or uh, then you kind of, your message gets lost. Uh, uh, you gotta, you gotta have, brand ambassadors. You've got to have people that are out there uh, singing your song. Uh, and it's important for everybody in your organization to be singing off the same sheet of music. You as a conductor can appreciate moving off the same sheet of music, you know, because if everybody's picking their own key, it's not going to sound very good. <laughs> and you know, uh, you know uh, we make a mistake often thinking that our logo is our brand, and it's not. Well, yeah. I mean, there's a lot more to a brand than a logo. A logo doesn't really tell the full story. Uh, the brand is everything about you, and it's that 
you know, to go back to what Dana was talking about, creating an experience. How do people view you? So that goes into building a brand is creating that experience. It's everything you do. It's how you approach things. Uh, it's your DNA as an organization. Who are we and what are we about? And then before that, Pat Patton from Orlando area. Um, he's got a, a search intelligence company, but he, he talks about, well, websites aren't dead. We sometimes think they're dead because we got social media, but a website's your credibility. But your website's um, not just a placeholder, it's a place of engagement. And um, we designed the CenterVision website as a web experience, not just a website. So he talks specifically about why every nonprofit and business should have a sales funnel. We, we don't think about selling what we have, and we kind of shy away from that. And then we, we moan and whine. We talk about wine tasting. This is wine tasting. We whine about, we whine about not having money, but we're not willing to put in some business principles. What do you think of that, Mr. Funding Special? <laughs> well, you know, I, what he's talking about is really critical, you know, uh, a sales funnel. I know that there were probably people that were choking on their coffee that day or just gasping. <gasps> sales funnel for a nonprofit? Yes, because what happens with nonprofits, we're, we're, they're no different than any other entity. You start building relationships. It's at a smaller level. You know, they get some awareness. Maybe somebody donates uh, $10, $10, $5, $10, $25 to your cause. But over time, you want to grow that relationship. And how do you do that? You lead people through a, through a sales funnel. You lead them through a funnel. You're increasing that level of engagement, and you want to grow what it is that you do, whether it's through grants, donations, through a mission-driven revenue, you want to grow it. And so that comes by, by building relationships and increasing the level of engagement, building the trust over time. And this is what Pip was talking about when he said create that sales funnel. And you take people through, a, through the same type of a process, even though you've got a social mission, you're still taking them through the same type of process to grow the engagement and increase your resource base. So the previous week was Steve Maragher, and he's a, um, a financial services professional, and he believed that true clarity for a business leader happens when the or a nonprofit happens when the company's books tell the same story in numbers. So we don't want to show our numbers, we don't want to talk about our numbers, but there's a um, greater profits and peace of mind are available, and and so. We kind of poo-poo profitability, but the word nonprofit is not really a fair description of what we do. So um, he gave us some tools to think about having a, a proper CFO to help us think about the financial accountability, but also the, the generation of income so we can fully achieve our mission. Well, you know, it's all about being able to tell the story using the numbers, and that's where the rubber meets the road. If you can marry the actual dollars to what it is that you're doing, but you've got to be able to keep score. And by being able to keep score and tell a story and show where those dollars are going, you're, you're in a sweet spot. But it's important to keep an eye on the ball. And for the boards, boards are, are, have a fiduciary responsibility. You're responsible 
for all of the resources that are at your disposal. So you have to have an acquaintance, you have to have a comfort level, you have to have people who do know these numbers and who can create systems that help you keep track and maximize so that you can explain where your dollars are going. It's very critical to have all of that. And you can have it all. You can be able to keep your story uh, in front of people in an engaging way and be able to show them where those funds are going. So having that expertise in-house is critical. Another one you brought to the table, I guess, is Bud Michael in Colorado. And he's another one with a book. He's an author of Favorite One-Liners for Business, uh, <laughs> 2010. So we've got a lot of people that have intellectual property. But it's, um, it's starting and scaling companies. And in, in business, we want to be able to uh, have somebody acquire it. And that's where you really make your big money. But in nonprofit, you can't do that. But it's creating the legacy so that it's sustainable into the future after we're gone. Oh, yeah. And scaling it is, is important. You want to grow this mission. That's, that's what Bud has done uh, over his 40-year career. He's scaled the organizations. And so a lot of times we think about the day-to-day. And you have an organization that goes... Uh, and, and it's not about, and we've talked about sustainability, being able, just being able to keep the lights on and sustainability, but uh, talking about growing our impact is, is as important. If we got the right tools and the right systems in, in place, we can do that. And uh, setting up an organization in an entrepreneurial growth uh, if you set the systems up to facilitate growth when you're building your nonprofit, then it's possible to do that. And getting people thinking in that mold is critical. And then before that, um, how to produce successful fundraising events. It was uh, Larian Howard. I believe that was another connection from, from you. Yeah, Lorian uh, has done a lot of work in the Los Angeles area. She's actually returned to Palm Springs, California, and has an, an event that she's working on uh, with a great uh, lineup of speakers. Uh, but she's uh, she was actually on the team that uh, produced Live Aid back in 1985. So she's been here, and she's done events of all sizes, even huge ones. And uh, the, the place that she says a lot of organizations really trip up is poor planning. Uh, and that's born mainly out of not giving yourself enough time based on the scale and magnitude of the event that you're bringing to the forefront. So she talked with us a little bit about that and talked about some tools that she has that people can reach out to her to acquire and to talk with her about how to go about doing that. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and um, um, before, we're going to make it to the beginning of 2019. We're recording this halfway through 2019, and we're going to go back six months. Uh, that's about all we can handle in an hour, isn't it? Innovative yeah. approaches to finding solutions to poverty and homelessness. Was this another great connection from... Russell Dennis. This is uh, young Mary Putman from the Reciprocity Collective. She is an entrepreneur and business owner here in the Denver area who uh, was running a business and she was trying to find people to hire and she noticed 
uh, a lot of homelessness. And of course, you, you know what happens. You, you end up uh, volunteering on the board and the next thing you know, you're, you're swimming in it. And that's Mary's experience. And uh, she ran into some compartmentalization as far as trying to serve homeless people and uh, wanted to connect them with jobs, but found out, you know, there's a whole lot of other issues uh, that hinder uh, moving a person from homelessness into a stable environment. Employment's not the only one. So there was difficulty marrying people with services, and that's what the Reciprocity Collective was designed to do help them find meaningful work, but to be able to get other organizations to partner with to make sure that you've got a whole person solution so that they can uh, become uh, employable so that we can remove other barriers to uh, being in a home or having a home. Yeah, that's a big deal. And we've got Lauren Cohen, um, it, the, the scale-up checkup. Um, and, and she, she has a whole system. She's an attorney actually. That's, and she's also best, best selling author. We have a lot of really good authors, don't we? Yes. And that's, I'm looking forward to putting that uh, resource up. We're working on that and, uh, you know, resources that you can get from our guests and we bring in all sorts of authors and speakers, but these are tools that you can get. Uh, after the podcast, in addition to listening to the podcast, uh, with each episode, we, we have links to, to these resources that our guests uh, bring to the table and ways to, to contact them and, and look at their site. Uh, so, you know, she's another who talks about scaling your nonprofit and what are some things you can do to actually grow it. And she's got a great set of tools that she uh, offered to help you do that. We had a, um, um, an archive recording we played because um, we were traveling in, in the middle of January, but Dawn Gleskin is a professional storyteller. She teaches people how to write their story. And you know, Russell, we, we tell people too much stuff and we tell them all the stuff that we think is interesting. But we don't create a story that grabs their attention. And what Don gave us was really valuable content on that. Oh, yeah. I, I just, uh, I've got this Don. Uh, I took one of her quotes and I put it on my Instagram page. Own your story or it will own you. Ooh. And the most interesting piece of, of this is how she talked about using stories not not just to highlight your work but what stories do is make us relatable to other people that's how we connect uh, uh, an effective story creates that connection where we relate to one another and that's how we reach uh, one another and that's her wheelhouse she wants to make sure that she helps you do that in a way that that is effective and so our, that was a really good podcast. You, you want to tune into that and, uh, and find out what you can do to improve your storytelling and what some of the steps are to building a good story. And that's so key. We're, we want to raise money, but we can't tell people why it's important. We haven't been able to describe the impact of the work the previous dollars provided. And we've got a whole lot of case studies we could create stories out of which would 
impact our future to be able to do more because we're able to bring in more dollars by being able to articulate the value of the work we've provided. And then the very beginning of this year, we had Ellie uh, Shoja talked about meditation. And I don't know about you, Russell, but um, my brain gets full in too much stimulation, too much anxiety. So it's, it's kind of a chore. The meditation kind of helps clear my mind, but it doesn't happen instantly. And so she gave us a whole process to think about how to let your mind be idle. And it's amazing what happens when you clear your mind. Is yours crowded like mine? Oh, mine is like a business. It's like the 405 or the 128 in Massachusetts <laughs> uh, at, at times. So I start my day off with a little meditation and uh, it's important for me to get centered and just take a few minutes uh, out of the day to be quiet and to be still. And this is a part of what she talks about as a way for uh, leaders to take care of themselves. Because if, we, if we're not at our best, we can't serve at our best. And uh, this, uh, this uh, way of keeping ourselves calm, of calming ourselves, of being centered, of being present in the moment, especially when it's something that everybody in the organization can take advantage of, really helps you, uh, helps to keep the energy flow high so that you're effective at helping others. And uh, just got some really great tools and really uh, it's good to think about slowing down and unplugging because uh, I'm attached to my gadgets. I have gadgets everywhere and I have to be careful uh, from time to time to unplug from them. And I inadvertently left on Saturday morning to go do a food bank delivery and left the phone. And a part of me wanted to go back up the stairs and get it, but I left it because I never carried a phone. I mean, it's been the last maybe 12 or 14 years I've carried a phone. I didn't carry a phone. I had a pager when I was on call in the service, but I didn't have something that was there. And actually, it's all we we can feel like we walked outside without our shoes on sometimes if we don't have our gadgets in tow. So being able to unplug and reconnect with ourselves and just to be quiet and be still is something that is very important because we're overstimulated in 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 our current times with gadgets and twenty four seven news and and. Just to be able to just unplug and breathe is, is, is really good. You know, we keep, we add, I remember when we added email, we added cell phone, we added texting. We don't take anything away. Um, why don't you tell folks about WordSprint and how they support Cinevision with uh, their top of mind marketing mailing program? Wow, Bill Gilmer and his team at WordSprint are top of mind marketing for nonprofit organizations. Yeah. Uh, Bill uh, believes that there, there's uh, you have he's a hundred percent solution. They're a hundred percent solution. Thirty percent is the people you send the message to. Thirty percent is uh, the message. Thirty uh, percent is the rhythm, the right rhythm, and then of course the last ten percent is the polish that makes it all look good. They uh, actually print our nonprofit performance three hundred and sixty magazine. If you're on the community at a paid level, you'll get a copy of this, and it's available electronically. We have uh, articles from thought leaders, business leaders that come in uh, all the time. 
Bill Gilmer and his team are, are there and they do a lot of direct mail marketing. They fabulous print if you've gotten our magazine and they can keep you engaged with your donors. They keep your donors engaged, informed, bring in new donors, help you maintain the donor base that you've got. Wordsprint.com is where you want to go to. Give Bill a call or shoot him a text or an email today and find out how he can keep you on track and help you keep your donors donor base flowing smoothly. Yeah, wordspread.com, you can book a consultation with Bill, and they've got 20 years of, uh, at least 20 years of primary research, and the donors continue donating. So it's donor retention, and um, it's an upgrade in what they're, you're not only retaining them, you're upgrading their, their, their donating. So, uh, Russell, thank you for this trip down memory lane. I can imagine people driving down the road in their car listening to, ah, this, you can't see it, but go to thenonprofitexchange.org and you can check out any of these podcasts. Go to Stitcher or iTunes and look for The Nonprofit Exchange. Join us live on Tuesdays at 2. Watch us on Facebook or go to The Nonprofit Exchange and we're broadcasting live. Thank you for being here. And Russell, thank you for being the co-host for all these years. Yeah, it's always a pleasure. Lots of fun. Thank you. Uh people out here in our audience. We'll be right back here same time next week. Until then, be blessed and keep making the difference you make. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.